0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech sports. I'm Justin Kociola, flying solo today. Tim's got some things going on, but we're going to recap the Pitt Panthers game. Hokies lose 45-29 on the road at Akershire Stadium, Uh, no longer Hines. And then we're going to talk about Miami. It's Miami week. Uh, you know, obviously not as much excitement around that game, uh, even though it's homecoming, maroon effect, 40th matchup all time. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. Anytime playing Miami, it's a big deal, and it's a big game for the Hokies, uh, especially as, as they uh, go into the final stretch here. Six more games left to the season. So, you know, I think when we're looking at uh, Virginia Tech right now, there's not, uh, you know, you're, you're in the midst of a rebuild. Right, so there's a lot of things that are going on that you know wouldn't necessarily be great in normal season. So you're looking for uh, you know those little victories. Um, Virginia Tech right now is an average to below average football team that makes a lot of a lot of mistakes, and those mistakes uh, you know show themselves uh, from like the explosive play rate they're giving up, uh, penalties, uh, miscues, things like that. Um, things like you should expect that any team is going to go through when, when there's a rebuild going on. So, you know, if you look at this pit game, it was 45, 29, there was some good, there was some bad, and there was, there was some ugly as well, but let's get the bad out of the way first. I think, uh, to nobody's surprise, the rushing defense is, uh, what really stood out as the worst of the worst, um. In Saturday's game and to be honest with you it wasn't all bad really uh, if you look at how the defense performed overall it was actually pretty solid where they failed was the explosive plays Israel Abinakonda sets a school record 320 yards rushing uh, that breaks Tony Dorsett's school record of 306 yards that he set back in 1975 it was the first time a FBS, Power 5 running back, had 300 yards and six touchdowns in a game. The last guy to do that was Ricky Williams at Texas. Uh, If you recall, Ricky Williams won the Heisman Trophy that year. That was 1998, and he did it against Rice. You know, it wasn't against Virginia Tech. So talking about that explosive play rate, three of Abanaconda's touchdowns were 29 yards or more. He had a 38-yarder, a 29-yarder, and an 80-yarder he had 179 yards on 6 carries when you're looking at the six touchdowns runs he had and again six he had seven carries of 16 yards or more it's really tough to win football games when that's happening and i think you know if you look at the rest of the sample size he had 36 carries on the day that's what they wanted to do they wanted to run the ball 16 of those carries went for 2 yards or less eight were tackles for a loss which, if you look at that, I think Virginia Tech had eleven tackles for loss overall. I mean, that's typically a good day. You look at that in the stat sheet, you're like, "Well, oh, Virginia Tech probably won that game," or you know, they held they held Pitt in check. However, on the other twenty carries, uh, not so good. So, <clears throat> coming into the game, uh, Tech ranked ninety eighth overall in the country, allowing two point two yards before contact. Against Pitt, it was five point five seven. So uh, you can see some of the issues they were having there defensively against the run. The good, you know, I kind of alluded to it there, you know, half jokingly, you know, I don't know if we have any PFF followers here, but PFF is uh, a greater, we should say, of plays and players. And uh, a lot of times when you see those grades, they don't match up necessarily with the statistics that you'll see in the box score. But I think uh, the way you should approach it is you can't, read a game by the box score and determine how a team played. And it's the same for a grade. You know, so if Grant Wells throws a pass to Caleb Smith and um, it's caught by Caleb Smith, but the way he caught it was it went off of the defender's hands. It was thrown straight to the defender. The defender bobbles it, but Caleb Smith catches the ball. That's, that's going to be a bad grade for the quarterback, but it could show up as a big gain in the box score. Virginia Tech's rushing performance, their rushing grade defensively, was the highest it's been all season, which kind of goes back to that 16 carries of uh, two yards or less with eight tackles for a loss. They've got to limit the explosive play rate. So takeaway, they're playing better for the vast majority of time, uh, but you know they're they're living and dying by that big play. Uh, another bad was tackling. This was the Hokies. Worst performance of the year from a tackling standpoint. Uh, they also graded out poorly uh, from a pass rushing standpoint. You know, they had, uh, from a tackling standpoint, 11 missed tackles overall. Eight of those were against the run. Pass rush-wise, they only got nine hurries on the quarterback, one sack. And I think if you look at Pitt this year, if you've watched them play, you've noticed that Keaton Slovis has really kind of been you know, on the run. He's been pressured. He's been hit a lot. He was just beaten around in that Tennessee game. If you, if you watch that even against West Virginia. So it was disappointing that uh, Virginia tech couldn't get more of a consistent uh, pass rush on the quarterback. It's something they've struggled to do in the last two games, obviously missing uh, Tawan Garbutt is, is not going to help them there, but uh, they've got to be better overall getting to the passer. Uh, a a getting better category we'll call it good we'll call it good for now the offense actually really didn't play that bad you know I think um, they had over 400 yards of total offense only their second time going over 300 yards this season against an FBS opponent Uh, it's the highest grade and QBR rating of the year for Grant Wells and that's any game that includes Wofford so that's something to uh, be optimistic about Caleb Smith had his first career 100 yard receiving game. Uh, He did that in the first half. He finished the game with nine catches for 152 yards. He's definitely the go to option in this offense. Uh, I think somebody I want to see get more involved is Daquan Wright, uh, or Daquan Moore, excuse me. The guy is an absolute stud. He's not on the field a lot, he only played 15 snaps on Saturday. But he had five catchers for 47 yards. He's one of the highest graded players on the field whenever he is on the field. He's only played 36 snaps this year, but he's played twice in the last two games. So he's played against North Carolina. He's played a bit against Pitt. He didn't play before that. I think the reason he's listed as a tight end he's 6'4", 236. He's a big guy, but he can move. Uh, he hasn't been used at all as a pass blocker. And I think that's the reason that uh, we haven't seen him in that starting lineup Um over Nick Gallo. Gallo is second on the team in receptions uh, but he's one of the lowest graded players overall from a, a performance standpoint. so you know there's there's some things there to look at I think it's super promising from from more I definitely want to see him involved more uh, you know Dwayne lofton had a big uh, catch down the field um, and that was good to see and you know Virginia Tech definitely tried to take some more shots down the field on Saturday and it, it paid off. Uh, The ugly, bad, and good. uh, That was special teams. I mean, um, also adding to that bad line item was penalties. Just continues to plague this team. Uh, It's stalling drives. It's killing momentum. uh, It's extending drives for the other team. It is absolutely infuriating to watch a team continue to shoot itself in the foot. And that's what this Virginia Tech uh, team is doing right now. And that's the sign of You know, that's just one of the leading indicators for why an average football team loses. Why does a team lose close games? Well, a lot of times it's because of things like penalties. uh, And that's what's happening to Virginia Tech right now. Special teams was all over the map. You know, if you take away the block punt for a touchdown, which was great, obviously. uh, It was a poor punting performance overall by Peter Moore. Uh, You know, it just couldn't get going for whatever reason. Uh, you know, will uh Will Ross miss his first field goal of the, of the year? So it's just kind of you know when it rains, it pours on on special teams on Saturday. Uh, I I think you know it's probably more of an anomaly um, than than anything else. Uh, it's been a pretty solid group all year, uh, so they'll they'll need to play better going forward for the Hokies to, you know win that field position battle, get those points, you know, it just, you look at the last two games, they've just left so many points off of the scoreboard, whether it's because of penalties or miscues, you know, whether that's defensively, offensively, special teams-wise, they've got to clean that up. Uh, I'd say the best takeaway of the game is Malachi Thomas being back, and <clears throat> he really is kind of the what this offense was missing. If you if you look at him, he's going to be the workhorse back. He's the guy who uh, I think is best suited to run between the tackles. He had 15 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown in his return. Um, he's really the stabilizer the offense needed. I don't think it's a surprise that uh, this was his first game back and it was the best offensive performance Virginia Tech has had all season. Uh, he's the thunder to King's lightning. I think Keyshawn King is still going to get a, a lot of playing time, but... Um, he'll probably get about the same amount of touches he was getting as a starter, to be honest. Um, but it'll be a fun tandem. He's definitely the home run threat at of the offense, but Thomas is atop the depth chart going into Miami, if that tells you anything, anything. So some of the takeaways, Brad Glenn, uh, needs to stay in the booth with Tyler Bowen. Uh, if you weren't aware, uh, Glenn was in the booth this past weekend with Bowen uh pry had mentioned that he was going to be up there to help bowen out with uh some of the play calling and just game to get like play-to-play play things that are going on from a from a game standpoint and i mean that that appeared to to pay off and again i don't know if it was malachi thomas or the opponent or brad glenn or tyler bowen just being better whatever it was you know let's just keep doing it so keep glenn up there he's a former offensive coordinator uh, he can definitely, uh, I think, help guide uh, Bowen, similar to how Pry is guiding Marv on the on the defensive side. We still don't know to what extent Glenn is, like, what, what his involvement is up there, but um, whatever it is, let's keep doing it. Offensive line run blocking. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Their second lowest grade of the season. Yeah. Uh, Per the PFF scale, 49.9 is poor. They graded out at a 42.9. Their worst performance, they had a grade of like 35 against Boston College. Uh, This group needs to get better. But, you know, I think one reason this group is struggling compared to last year, I think a lot of people have looked at last year's stats and said, well, you know, Silas Zanzi's regressed and Parker Clements has regressed and Johnny Jordan and blah, blah, blah. They, They really haven't. You know, I think if you look at last year, there was a lot more depth on the offensive line last year. Johnny Jordan, Parker Clements, um, Silas Zanzi, they didn't play every game. They were were backups. Zanzi battled some injuries. He only had 400 and something snaps last year. He's already got that. After this Miami game, he's probably, along with Parker Clements, will surpass last year's Total snap count total of the year, playing-wise. Johnny Jordan has already surpassed that number. The only full-time starter returned on this offensive line is Caden Moore. And he's improved as a pass blocker. He's gone down a little bit as a run blocker. And actually, every single offensive lineman has decreased pass against uh, as a, uh, a run blocker from a grade standpoint. But why is that? Well, if you look at what Vance Weiss did as an offensive line coach, he mixed and matched guys in constantly. He was constantly rotating guys in, but he had depth. You had Luke Tenuta, you had um, Brock Hoffman, you had a bunch of other guys. And what that allowed you to do was play the matchups. You put guys in where they're best at. And so what we're seeing now is all these guys are playing every game. They're playing almost every single snap. Outside of uh, Braylon Moore, Caden Moore's brother, outside of Braylon Moore and Bob Schick, no other offensive lineman on the second team has taken a snap. That's it. There have been seven guys this year to take a snap on the offensive line, and five of them have been the full-time starters and have barely come off the field. So what we're seeing is more of who they are as players, and I still think, I mean, if you take Silas Anzi and Johnny Jordan out of it, Parker Clements, he seems to be struggling the most out of everybody. But if you look at Parker Clements, he's still just a redshirt sophomore. You know, these guys need time to develop. And he's being thrown into the fire. He's doing the job, I'm sure, to the best of his ability. I don't think anybody's questioning his his work ethic. And it's just going to take time with this group more than any other group on the field. And I think when you look at the offensive line, that's really what's happening right now. It is probably the youngest positional group of the entire team, especially when you go into that second team uh, depth. I mean, Braylon Moore is a true freshman. Bob Schick is a redshirt sophomore. They're the only two guys that have played. And then you've got a bunch of other guys that are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen that haven't played yet because obviously Joe Rudolph is not comfortable putting them in. So if anybody thinks Joe Rudolph is the issue or he's not doing a great job, it's just not the case. There's no depth at this position. And that is why this unit is struggling. What's worse than struggling and then not being able to take somebody out of that situation to give them a breather? Or to put them in a better position to succeed. That is what why depth is so important, and that is why the Hokies are struggling on the offensive line. So, the hope is they'll get better. You know, I think you know there was a really big gap in how the team performed rushing-wise last week, which was good, but from a blocking perspective, there is a big gap to close and even if Virginia Tech just is average from a run blocking standpoint we should see massive improvements with how this group is performing and you know you can go back and look at Joe Rudolph and how his offensive lines performed at Wisconsin the last three four or five years they're all at either the above average to good to elite categories so like I said it's going to take time it's part of the rebuild this is one of those groups where it's really being kind of you know Um, out there for everybody to see where some of the issues are. But again, it's just uh, it's going to take a little bit of time with this group. So that being said, some of the signs for improvement. I think overall, Virginia Tech played uh, one of their better games. Obviously, the explosive plays on defense can't happen. Uh, It was not a great game defensively, if you look at it. Uh, I thought in coverage, they were actually pretty good. Uh, They held Pitt within check for the most part, even without Dorian Strong, their best corner. Uh, so that was good, but Pitt came in. They wanted to run the football, and and that's what they did. 36 times, and again they had uh, seven plays of 16 yards or more. Six rushing touchdowns. School record 320 yards on the ground by Aponteconda. So that's that's tough to win. You're not going to win games like that. Uh, but Grant Wells' best game as a Hokie, uh, literally. You know, no matter where you look, box score, uh, QBR rating, PFF grade, it is his best game as a Virginia Tech quarterback. What can't be promising about that? Malachi Thomas is back. You know, I think, um, you know, you start to see some of these offensive guys emerge like Daquan Moore, like I mentioned, Dwayne Lofton had a big play down the field. Caleb Smith is still obviously the go-to option there. um, And has just been playing great. I mean, I think you know, Caleb Smith was obviously the number one coming into the season, but can't emphasize enough how good he has been this year. So, Um, they just need to keep, keep grinding and and hopefully they can start eliminating these mistakes that are really setting them back and that will give them a better chance to win. So let's look at the Miami game. I think, um, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of big games this weekend. You've got Tennessee, Alabama, uh, it's a top five ish, top six ish matchup. Tennessee's wearing orange helmets for the first time since 1939, Uh, The last time they wore those, they beat Alabama 21-0. So I thought that was a fun little, you know, nod to history there. Um, You've got Penn State, Michigan. Unfortunately, this game, it usually does draw. Does draw eyes, does draw attention. It's the 40th meeting all time. It's homecoming. It's the maroon effect game or maroon effect. It's the first time in those 40 meetings that both teams have had a losing record. And... It wasn't long ago that this was much CTV. I think both of these programs, they have new coaches. Uh, there's some talent there, obviously, more on the Miami side. Uh, but as we have seen over the years, both of these teams came to the ACC at the same time. And uh, Virginia Tech has four ACC championships. Miami has none. And I would guarantee you, on every single one of those teams, Miami was considered to have more talent than Virginia Tech. So talent is what it is. It's all about coaching. It's all about doing what you can with what you have. And Virginia Tech's been better about that over time. But here we are. It's present day. History is history. Neither one of these teams is very good right now. They're both coming in on a three-game losing streak. Uh, it's the third time since 2019 that Miami has started two and three. And uh, one thing about Miami is... You know, I think some of their numbers can pop off the page at you, but they haven't held a lead since beating Southern Miss. So that's three games they haven't held a lead at all. And if you take away their Bethune-Cookman 70-13 to win, uh, they really haven't been like super great. Those numbers obviously popped off the page, and I think they influenced the statistics a little bit. But all in all, three straight losses for each of these teams. Uh if you look at Miami, they had a road matchup against AM. They played okay in that game, lost 17-9. Again, AM is kind of a disaster right now, too. Then they lose the following week to Middle Tennessee 45 to 31, just a complete shocker. And then came off of last week's loss to UNC, got down, uh, had a little bit of a comeback there, but lost 27-24. So <clears throat> overall, averaging 32.8 points per game, they've got 21.8 points. Um, against them is what they're giving up defensively. Um, Through the air, they're averaging 262, 102 on the ground. Um, So, you know, they haven't been able to run the ball well. Uh, Defensively, 59th overall, they're allowing 364 yards per game. Virginia Tech offensively ranks 111th in the country. Uh, Red zone offense has been a struggle for Miami, 73rd. Uh, however, that's been one of Virginia Tech's biggest deficiencies defensively is red zone defense. They rank 112th in the FBS, so that's going to be something to watch. Um, like I said, with you know the strength of schedule, Miami's strength of schedule is 100. You know they they haven't played a super strong schedule and they're two and three, so they rank 22nd in total offense, 15th in passing, 69th in rushing, but. Like I said, they put up 70 against Bethune-Cookman. They've only averaged 51 yards rushing in their last two games. And somehow they're still 69th in rushing. So they're not a good rushing football team at the moment. Uh, they benched their quarterback a game and a half ago. And that was against Middle Tennessee in the loss. He obviously had a big day last last week, Tyler Van Dyke, that is. Threw for 496 yards against North Carolina. You know, as as we highlighted a couple weeks ago, our disappointment with how Virginia Tech performed against North Carolina because defensively they're basically just, you know, an open book. They they can't stop much of a nosebleed unless, you know, they're playing Virginia Tech. But uh, total defense-wise, Hokies, uh, they continue to, to drop, I think, back to the mean, back to where we thought they would be. Uh, right now they're 37th in total defense. They're giving up 341 yards per game, so... Uh, that's just basically by the numbers to give you kind of a quick idea of everything that's going on there. Injury-wise, Miami's been battling uh, the injury bug a bit. Uh, lost their starting tight end, or lost their backup tight end, I should say. Uh, lost their starting right guard last week. Um, they've been battling some injuries on the offensive the line, but most of, mostly everybody's intact. They've had some guys come back um, as well. So, I think um, quarterback wise, Van Dyke, it's interesting because he was one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC last year. Um, I think everybody's picked for the top quarterback returning in the ACC this year. And uh, it's not a trend like we're not seeing across the ACC. You know, you could say the same for Brennan Armstrong at UVA, uh, Phil Jakovic, Devin Leary, all those guys have taken steps back, step backs this year. Um, but He is coming off a big performance against North Carolina. The game prior, which was against Middle Tennessee, 16 for 32, 138 yards, one touchdown, two picks, was benched in that game. One thing that Van Dyke pointed out is uh, they had the bye week before playing North Carolina. Uh, He mentioned that he worked with the offensive staff to condense the playbook and focus on plays that he was most comfortable with going into that UNC game and i think what we saw was a much improved um offensive performance from the miami team through the in in the passing game he had 14 pass plays over 15 yards against carolina so definitely something to watch um are they hitting their stride was it a you know just right timing against a a bad defense um virginia tech has you know some game tape on that limited playbook that they can look at so we'll see we'll see how that plays out against um against the Hokies this week. Rushing-wise, I mean, I think it's obviously going to be something that everybody's watching for, right? You know, Abanaconda's 320 yards. Um, Miami just doesn't have a big running game. You know, last week Parrish had 19 yards on 11 carries. He's only gone over 100 yards twice, both of those against Bethune, Cookman, and Southern Miss. Um, overall, the team had... 41 yards rushing on 23 carries against Carolina, who ranks 106th against the run. So um, we'll see kind of what happens there. And defensively, they've been kind of a mixed bag. I mean, uh, they held that Drake May-led UNC offense in check in the second half, which um, should give Virginia Tech fans some concern about what the Virginia Tech offense can do. Um, only, only allowed two field goals after halftime. Uh, they intercepted him twice, uh, held the run game in check for the most part, did give up 161 yards, but again, 43 attempts, uh, and they, they were uh, able to sack May five times, so they were able to get after the quarterback, and I think that's probably what led to less of a offensive output there in the second half, but they've also been very um, vulnerable to big plays in the pass game. You know they've given like if you look at Middle Tennessee they allowed three passes that went one went for ninety eight one went for eighty nine and one went for sixty nine um, and then tackling on top of it has been probably their biggest weakness defensively uh, they're uh, a below average tackling team uh, that can have really bad days they had a really bad day against Middle Tennessee so um, we'll kind of keep those things in mind we'll see how it goes but keys to the game for Virginia Tech to beat Miami. Or at least have a chance. Uh, the pass rush, which we talked about earlier against Pitt, that is missing. It's really been missing for two weeks. Uh, especially with Van Dyke back there. I don't care what kind of season Van Dyke has had. We know he's a talented quarterback. Um, <clears throat> he's coming off his best performance of the season. You're likely not going to have Dorian Strong again for the third straight game. Uh, who is your best quarterback. So this defensive line needs to figure out how to get after the quarterback linebackers back we've got alan tisdale returning from a eligibility issue so he's making a season debut he's atop the the linebacker chart it will um so i i think that's a good boost um so we'll see what happens garbage should be back as well uh so hopefully the Hokies are a little bit better at offensive line but or at that offensive pass rush but the uh the offensive line for Miami is is pretty solid. It's not the offensive line uh, that we had seen Miami have over the last, you know, few years. Explosive plays, again, I don't want to continue to beat the dead bush, but you gave up nine passes over 20 yards against North Carolina. You gave up seven carries over 16 yards against Pitt. You cannot do that against Miami and expect to win. If Miami comes out and runs the football down Virginia Tech's throat, like, I just don't know what to say. Like they, they've been unable to run the football this year. So I really hope that's not what happens. Uh, I would expect there to be a big play or two in the pass game. I think that would be more acceptable. Uh, but they just have to limit what happens and make sure that they're not scoring touchdowns. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And then offensively, the biggest key is to establish the run and control the clock. And I think, you know, statistically, Miami's been good against the run. Uh, I also think teams have focused more on the the pass against Miami because they've been more vulnerable in uh, in that aspect of their defense. But Virginia Tech will and should try to establish the run game. They've got Malachi Thomas back. They've got Keyshawn King. Utilize that one-two punch. See what you can get going. Uh, And I think that's the key to winning the game, possessing the ball, keeping the defense off the field, and it should open up some bigger plays down the field. Um, which I do think Virginia Tech needs to take a few shots um, to uh, to keep this Miami secondary kind of in check. So we'll see what happens there. Those are my keys. My prediction uh, did check with Tim to see kind of what he thought. He told me Virginia Tech wins. Uh, I think Tim is very um, is very uh, intent on Virginia Tech winning, even though it, it hasn't really been done um the last few weeks the spread is miami minus seven i'm going to take miami to cover or excuse me virginia tech to cover uh but i'm going to take them to lose the game i I feel like 31 27 feels like the right score uh the things i'm watching for the most are discipline reducing penalties consistent tackling performance limited explosive play rate establish the run You know, the Hokies probably win if they can do all those things, but that's a lot of things that have to go right that have been going wrong for Virginia Tech recently. So it's an important game for the Hokies. They have to have this one heading into a bye week followed by a road Thursday night matchup against NC State. Uh, And then you've got matchups against Georgia Tech and Duke coming up after that. So, um, you know, it's always good to head into a bye with some momentum. It put them at three and four, two and two in the conference with a shot in the dark at winning the Coastal although that's very unlikely at this point. But, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice to, to see the Hokies have some hope heading into the final five games of the season. So that's what I've got. Thanks for listening to me uh, ramble on about about Virginia Tech and uh, and where the football's at. You can head over to chowderandgrits.com and check out what we've got going on over there. Uh, YouTube, if you want to watch this on YouTube, we, we've got a YouTube channel, so just click like, subscribe. And... Uh, Other than that, go Hokies, and see you guys next week.